So there's tons of different jobs out there. And based on your skills and backgrounds, I totally recommend looking for them because, you know, from my first job as, a, as an ESL teacher that was really underpaid in this program to my second full-time job as a college counselor, I was making four times the salary only a year later. You're listening to The Thought Card, episode number three. I'm your host, Danielle Desir, and I believe that if you truly want to live life on your own terms, then being financially savvy is a must. In this episode, we chat with Rochelle Gamlin, a serial expat, travel blogger, and spicy food lover who has spent the last five years living in China and traveling around Asia. But before we meet Rochelle, if you want to get started with investing but aren't sure where to start, Acorns is the app that I use to invest my spare change automatically. Yep, you heard that. Automatically. Basically, after every transaction, Acorns rounds up to the nearest dollar and invests my spare change. Use Acorns effortlessly to pad your emergency fund, travel fund, or help you reach any of your other savings goals. Hey, I've saved $65 in the last 30 days without breaking a sweat or even noticing. Sign up for Acorns by heading over to podcast.thoughtcard.com forward slash Acorns. That's podcast.thoughtcard.com forward slash Acorns, and you'll get $5 for signing up today. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. During her time in China, Rochelle taught and worked in many different capacities. As an oral English teacher, she taught over a thousand high school students. She also worked part-time at agencies teaching children. She tutored preschoolers and even taught business English to Chinese businessmen and women. Most recently, she worked as a college counselor where she helped students get into U.S. universities. Rochelle has since quit her job to become a digital nomad, exploring places most people miss in Asia. As a kid, I was always really interested in, in a few cultures, but mainly China and Egypt. Like I was really interested in their ancient cultures. I always wanted to go to both those countries and was always trying to convince my parents to travel there. Um, so when it came time to like go to college, I was really actually interested in international affairs or international relations. So my interests were still, you know, in the culture and the history, but also now, you know, in the politics and international policy and things like that. Um, so I was really interested in countries that were kind of, I guess, misunderstood or that people didn't know a lot about. Um, so I was kind of thinking, OK, do I want to go the Arabic route and study abroad in Egypt and, and work in the Middle East? Or do I want to go the China route and study Chinese, study abroad in China and, and kind of go that way? And the more I thought about it, the more I, I really wanted to go to China. So I ended up studying Chinese in college. And the first time that I went to China was actually to study abroad for both spring semester and summer in college. Excellent. And what was that like studying abroad in China? I'd say it was it was a really great experience. Like it definitely, you know, it was a bit intimidating. I was really scared before I went. You know, I was worried that I wouldn't like it. And I just signed up to go for seven months, you know. But I would say after the first few days, once I finally, you know, calmed down and got used to China, um, it was an incredible experience. I, I really enjoyed it so much that after graduation, almost immediately after graduation, I moved back to teach English. Did you go independently on your own or did you go uh, with a cohort or a program? Tell us about like actually moving to China after you graduated. 
Sure. So, you know, for me, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do after graduation, but I kind of had this feeling like, okay, it's, it's either now or never, you know, I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have a, a boyfriend. Uh, I didn't, you know, all my friends were moving all over the country, you know? So I was like, now is the perfect time to go. And if I don't go now, when am I going to ever go? So I had some friends who are actually um, living abroad in Nanjing, doing a few different like programs. And they were like, Rochelle, like you should definitely go to China and stay with us and we can all be in Nanjing and it's going to be great. So one of them actually sent me a link to this teach abroad program and it looked really awesome. It sort of reminded me a bit of my study abroad program. You know, they were going to have an orientation. We'd get a TEFL certification for free. It's something you need legally to teach in China. Um, you know, and we were going to all arrive at this orientation and be placed at schools together all over China. And we were going to get Chinese classes and excursions. And I was like, this sounds amazing. It's going to be just like my study abroad program, but without studying Chinese constantly. Like I'm going to actually get to go out and explore China. So it sounded amazing. You know, their office was in DC, super professional. I got to actually go and interview in person since that's where I was, I was going to George Washington in DC as well. So I could just walk there. Um, so it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to go on this program. Um, but you know, it ended up actually not being such a great program after all. So now, you know, I don't really recommend that other people do teach abroad programs because I, mine was like a little bit of a disaster. And what do you recommend in place of a teach abroad program? Uh, what I would normally say that people do, there's there's two kind of main things that you can do. Um, many like larger chain training centers. So this is, you know, a for-profit center that kids go to after school or on the weekends. Basically, they pay money to go there. Um, if you're working at like a larger chain like that, you can apply directly. So they have their own HR department. You know, where I worked as a college counselor in China, they have a few centers around China. They have their own HR department. You can apply directly. Um, Another route is to work with a recruiter. So a recruiter, they mainly work with, you know, public and private schools. So sort of one-off schools that aren't going to have their own major HR and like recruitment department. And basically they're like headhunters. So their job is to go out and find people like you guys and then get you to go to their schools. Um, so they're only paid if you show up in China. So the main thing with those jobs and those recruiters, yes, you're going to be paid more, but it's also kind of hard to know who to trust right? Like, how do you know if that recruiter is actually sending you to good schools? How do you know if the school that you're directly applying to is actually a good opportunity? So I really recommend that people go that way rather than the teach abroad, um, you know, program route. But, you know, the programs, there's a reason why people like me go on them. It's because they seem trustworthy. They've got these fancy websites and the testimonials and the orientation. So what I've been trying to do is compile a list of really good schools and really good recruiters that I trust, that I have like friends that work there or I used to work there so that I can be like, okay, these are actually good schools. You know, screw the teach abroad programs. You can, you can just apply to from this list because no one's really doing that. They're just putting, you know, any school on there. They're not really curating it, if that makes sense. So what are some other resources that you offer in terms of helping people think about or actually pursue teaching, teaching abroad? Sure. So um, it started out where I just wrote sometimes about teaching abroad on my travel blog. You know, I write about Asia off the beaten path. Um, but, you know, the I would write about teach abroad sometimes because that's my experience. Um, and I started getting, you know, a ton of emails from people basically telling me their entire life story, asking for help, not knowing where to turn. So I basically just started slowly creating resources for for those people and thinking, OK, like, 
way back when, five years ago, what, what, what do I wish I had, basically? Um, so firstly, I created a Teach Abroad mini course, a free mini course. It's just an email mini course with five lessons where I walk you through, okay, these are the mistakes I made. You know, here's how to actually find a good job, you know, things like that. Internet censorship in China, how do you get around that? So just a, a free mini course for people who are interested. Uh, but then, you know, I started realizing, okay, people are still having issues, they're solving problems. So that's when I created that job board. Um, with a list of like jobs that I've basically approved. I'm like, okay, these ones are not scams. They pay on time. They pay well, you know, he apply here basically. Um, but then I also recently created a um, free Facebook community as well. So people who are either already teaching in China or they're interested in working in the education industry in China, I've created this Facebook community for us where we can like help each other out, plan meetups, share lesson plans, things like that, and, and answer questions and really create that community that you might be missing out on if you didn't do, you know, a teach abroad program. And these are all really great free resources that Rochelle is offering. So this is a great opportunity for you to learn and kind of get more familiar with the process. But I know, Rochelle, that you're working on some bigger projects as well. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So uh, one thing that I really felt like I could really create that would be super helpful is a course on how to teach abroad in China the right way. So I've called it Teach Abroad Squad, um, Teaching in China Made Easy. And I've created this really awesome course that's going to be coming out the end of October. And it basically walks you through the entire process from A to Z, you know, compiles all the information that you need to know to make sure you don't make the same mistakes that I made, you know, teaching abroad on a program where you're like really underpaid and you're miserable. You know, I really wanted to give people the information that I've had, you know, that I've learned in five years of working in China and, and just make it easy for people, you know. So I've, I've been it walks you through the entire process from what type of job is best for you and how to find a job to, you know, analyzing your contract and making sure you're not kind of scammed like I was or I couldn't leave my school unless I paid them 8000 US dollars um, and all the way into how to actually teach, you know, how to lesson plan, classroom management and, you know, how to survive in China once you get there. So this sort of course and community, we're going to have a Facebook group as well, um, is really going to be an awesome resource that I'm super excited about. Um, and I think, you know, it's definitely going to be a great place for people who want to do China the right way and get a high paying, awesome job and feel really prepared um, in a way that like the TEFL certification, I didn't really feel like that prepared me. So I wanted to kind of make people really feel, feel prepared to teach in China specifically. So what is the TEFL and what does it stand for? Uh, TEFL stands for Teaching English as a Foreign Language. And this is basically a certification that you need to teach in most countries legally. Not every country, but most popular countries for teach abroad, they will require that you have a TEFL certification. Most of them require the 120-hour TEFL certification. So it's basically just a certification that you can get online or in person. There's two different options. Um, and this is something that you need legally to teach abroad in China. However, you know, it's not country specific, right? Especially if you get one online, you know, it's just going to be general information teaching you how to actually teach, how to be a good teacher, um, how to teach English as basically a second language. Um, but you, there are opportunities where you can go and do them in person in China, but that's going to be, you know, instead of $200, $300, it's going to be $2,000, $3,000, 
dollars. So I usually recommend that people just get their TEFL online. You know, the, the best ones are all at least $300, but I have a, a discount so you guys can get it for $200. Um, but I definitely recommend you do it online because like why pay $2,000 when you could pay $200? So that's sort of the reason why I created that Facebook group and why I'm creating the course and community is so that people don't feel pressured to shell out $2,000, $3,000, you know, to go to China and meet people and learn how to specifically teach in China when they can, you know, just get that information from me and get one online for only $200. Right, right. And we'll definitely have the link in the show notes so that you guys can grab that that promo code from Rochelle. So the other question I had is, do you need the TEFL to actually teach English online? I would say, you know, it really depends on the program, but from the most part, from what I've seen, you don't actually need a TEFL to teach abroad online. What they're not teach abroad, you can just teach online from anywhere. But um, mainly what they're looking for is that you're like a quote unquote native speaker. So you're, you know, you're from like a native speaker country like the US, Canada, Australia, UK, Ireland, um, and that you have a college degree and potentially some teaching experience. Those are the main things they're interested in. Um, some programs require that you have a college degree, some don't. Um, but for the most part, I haven't really seen very many that require you to have a TEFL. So if you don't have a TEFL certification, you can totally teach online without one from what I've seen. Very, very interesting. And I know that a lot of people decide to teach English online as a way to earn extra income or as a side hustle. So definitely look into the program that you or look into the job that you're looking for and see if TEFL is required because then you don't have to make that expense. So I think that's really, really awesome. Now, what are some of the other subjects that you can teach abroad in China? So I would say, you know, most people, they only know about like teaching English or ESL, English as a second language. Um, so the, the main jobs that people will get in China are firstly teaching at a training center, just sort of teaching English to kids a couple times a week after school or teens or adults. Um, and then the other job that many people get is working at a public or private school coming in as like an oral English teacher. So t- Typically, at public or private schools, Chinese students actually learn English from their Chinese English teachers, and then you come in as like an oral English native speaker supplement. That that's kind of those are kind of the main jobs that most people get, and that's all I knew about when I first came to China. But really, there's so many other jobs out there in the education industry that you know, based on your experience and background, can be really awesome and pay a bit more. Um, so, for example, you know, if you're a certified teacher in your home country, like if you can actually teach in the U.S. or Canada or wherever you're from, you can actually teach at international schools in China and make a ton of money and, you know, work at an international school teaching English or science in English or math in English. Um, But there's tons of other jobs. Like I worked as a college counselor helping Chinese students apply to American universities. Um, I had friends who were debate coaches preparing students for English language debate competitions, Um, drama teachers in English, teaching them, you know, how to do English language musicals. Um, I had friends teaching like TOEFL and IELTS and SAT and ACT. So there's tons of different jobs out there. And based on your skills and backgrounds, I totally recommend looking for them because, you know, from my first job as, a, as an ESL teacher that was really underpaid in this program to my second full time job as a college counselor, I was making four times the salary only a year later. So I think it's definitely, definitely a good thing to look into. Right, right. And let's dive into dollars and cents or pretty much how much do foreign teachers in China get paid? 
Well, I would say, you know, the the average salary is kind of all over the board, you know, because there's people like me taking jobs with these, uh, you know, teach abroad programs getting paid only 5,000 RMB per month, which is like $800, but that's really low. So what I like to do is I kind of came up with my own range where I'm like, you should be making at least this much in order to take the jobs. You'll be offered less, you know, by some jobs, but these are the, this is kind of the range that you should look for in my opinion. So if you're working in like Beijing and Shanghai, like those bigger cities, I would say look for jobs paying 10,000 to 12,000 RMB per month, which is like $1,600 to $1,700 a month. If you can get more, that's great. But um, that's kind of the range that I would look at. Whereas if you're working in a smaller city like Xi'an, Chengdu, Nanjing, Ningbo, whatever it is, um, I would look for like 8,000 to 10,000 RMB per month, which is about $1,200 to $1,600. But I mean, if you're looking at higher level jobs and you have some experience, um, as a college counselor, I was making about 2,500 US dollars a month. So there's definitely higher level jobs out there, but all of these jobs, they should be after tax. So a lot of times, you know, the, the, China, the jobs in China, they say, this is your salary after tax. That means all of the money is going into your bank account. You don't have to pay taxes on any of it. Your job's already paid taxes for you. And all of the salaries should include free housing as well. I don't want to forget that. So you don't have to pay rent out of that money. So either they provide you a, an apartment or they give you some money to get like a housing stipend to get an apartment. But this, all this money is going straight into your pocket. You don't have to pay rent out of it at all. Right. That's a very, very good to know. So how have you transitioned from working as a school counselor in a university in China to now becoming a digital nomad? I was when I was working as a college counselor in China, I was working at like a training center, sort of partnered with a high school. So I was helping them, you know, apply to those U.S. universities there. But, you know, I did really love the position and I had a great time. You know, I had my own private office with the view. My students were awesome. You know, they're really intelligent. And I did really love my job. But in the back of my mind, sort of like in my heart, I knew that, you know, I still I wanted there were more adventures that I wanted to have. And I'd had this this travel blog adventures around Asia. I started it when I studied abroad. It started out as a not so great study abroad blog that I'd sort of transitioned into, you know, like an actual travel blog. And, you know, it was starting to take off a little bit mean, while I'm working as a college counselor. And um, so basically in between when I taught abroad and when I was a college counselor, I got my master's degree at a British university in China. So I paid for that out of my own pocket. I'm about halfway through my master's degree and I'm like, hmm, maybe I want to be a digital nomad and travel blogger. Meanwhile, I have 20,000 US dollars in debt. So <laughs> I had to make sort of a tough choice, right? I'm like, do I follow my dreams or do I pay off this debt? And I decided to do the smart thing and pay off the debt. So I got my job as a college counselor in China. I had that job for two and a half years so I could pay off the debt. And then once I paid off the debt and had enough money saved up, I was like, okay, I'm going to follow my dreams and, and take this travel blog full time and actually see the world because I was, I was starting to feel comfortable in China. I'd been there for five years. I speak Chinese. I traveled all over the country. And I was like, I want to go on some new adventures and I want to try working for myself and being my own boss. And if it works out, great. And if I blow through all my savings in a year or two, then I can always go back and be a college counselor or teach English, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to starve. I can always get a job in China again. Right. And what are some of the ways that you're making money as a digital nomad and full-time travel blogger? 
Sure. So the main ways that I make money are one, one is through affiliates. So if I really love a product or program or service, I can recommend it. And if somebody buys it, I make a small commission at, at no cost to you. Um, so, what, so a lot of the ones that I really recommend are ones that you actually need to have to either travel in China or teach abroad in China. So for example, that TEFL course that I love, or you know, you probably need a VPN to go to China because of the internet censorship. So you can get around that. Um, so those sort of things that you actually need to go to China. I'm like, I use this. I love this. So you should use it too. Um, another thing that I do is I do make some referral payments for people who take certain jobs in China. Um, so for example, my old company where, where I worked as a college counselor, I love them. I'm fine to send people their way because I had a great time there. Um, so if somebody does take a job there, I make a small commission. Um, I do sometimes partner with certain brands that I really love. Um, and sometimes I paid for that. And um, I do do some freelance writing and social media work. Um, I work for Go Overseas, where I'm their resident China and teach abroad expert. So I write a lot about teaching abroad specifically in China on their site as well. And I'm paid for that. Excellent, excellent. And now that you're digital nomad and you're really free to travel to so many more places since you're not tied down to a full-time job, what are some other places that you've been to in Asia and that you really fell in love with? Sure. Well, uh, right after I finished my job, I actually went to Japan for a little while and I loved it. Like, I wish I was making enough money to live in Japan. Japan's amazing. Um, but I did. I actually worked with their tourism board in Mie Prefecture and hiked the Kamano Kodo, which is sort of like if you've heard of the Camino de Santiago in um, in Spain. It's a pilgrimage walk just like that. And we spent two weeks walking through rural or hiking through rural Japan in the mountains and teeny tiny little towns. And that was was just an incredible experience. And now I'm living in Hoi An, Vietnam, which I absolutely love. Uh, I have to go home for the holidays, but afterwards I'm coming straight back here because I absolutely love it here. It's, it's great quality of life, perfect weather, and I'm, I'm really enjoying exploring another culture for sure. Is Vietnam affordable? I would say it definitely is. Like China is affordable if you work there. You know, especially, you know, Beijing can be really expensive, but I had a pretty good salary, so I had a great quality of life. Um, but, you know, if I was trying to work online and live in Beijing, you know, I'd be struggling to make ends meet with with the housing prices and things like that. So if you're working online, I think Southeast Asia is great. You know, Vietnam's a little bit cheaper than Thailand as well. Um, so, you know, my, my fiance and I, we have this really cute studio apartment that's only $500 a month. You know, so we split that in half and, you know, we, we have our little motorbike that we rent and, you know, we have we have a co-working space that we go to. So it's been a really um, great change of, of pace to explore another country. And it's definitely super affordable here. And I know that you're a spicy food lover. So share with us some of your favorite spicy foods from Asia. My all-time favorite ones are they're mostly Chinese because let's, let's be honest, I love Chinese food. Um, but that whole Sichuan and Chongqing region in China has some amazing spicy food. Um, so some of my favorites are hot pot. Oh, it's, it's amazing. You can get non-spicy broth, but I love the spicy broth. Basically, you get a bunch of different ingredients, um, you know, meat, vegetables, whatever, tofu, and you cook it in this really hot, like boiling soup. And then you kind of dip it. I like to dip it in like sesame sauce. And it's amazing. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Another one, mapo tofu is like spicy tofu, spicy soft tofu. And I never even had tofu before I went to China. And now it's one of my favorite foods. Um, but my all time favorite spicy food in China is malatong, 
which is you, you pick a bunch of ingredients. I mostly get like vegetables and tofu and I cook it up in sort of this spicy soup. And everybody in my office in Beijing used to make fun of me because I would get it almost every single day. So they're like, what is wrong with you? You eat the same thing every day, but it's so good. So if you love spicy food, you can definitely find some amazing spicy food in China for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, there's a lot of options there. So we have a lot to choose from in terms of uh, spicy food. So before we sign off, what are some three tips that you can share with us for anyone who's looking to teach abroad? What should they know and what should they you know, use to move forward with their journey? That's a great question. I would say, you know, the main tips, the first one I have is um, apply to multiple jobs. Okay. That's the first one because so many people, they apply to these programs or they work with one recruiter and then they just take what's offered and they don't realize that there are other options out there. And a lot of people don't know this, but I, I don't have the exact statistics on me, but the, the discrepancy between the amount of jobs available in China and the amount of qualified teachers they have is crazy. There are so many schools looking for qualified teachers in China. So a lot of times people just apply to these teach abroad programs or apply to like, you know, one company like Disney English, and they don't realize that there's so many other opportunities because, you know, they're scared to work with a recruiter. They're scared of scams. But I'm like, apply to multiple different jobs and really compare your job offer. That's the first one that I have. And you could totally use my job board as well, because those jobs are not scams. Um, the second one that I have is definitely read through your contract with a fine tooth comb. Okay. Because really what happened to me was that I was kind of pressured into signing my contract really quickly. And I was totally overwhelmed because I was working at this school in the middle of nowhere by myself. And it wasn't what I was told by my teach abroad program. And I just assumed that all the contracts were standardized and they weren't. And I missed out on a section that said that I could owe my school up to 8,000 US dollars if I wanted to leave early. And even if you're not planning on leaving early, that's ridiculous because there's nothing to protect you if your school is awful to you, right? Like if your school is awful, you should be able to leave. You shouldn't be blackmailed, you know, with 8,000 US dollars, right? So that's one piece of advice that I have is like definitely skim through your contract with a fine tooth comb, have, have someone else read it, right? Like have your parents look at it, have a friend read it. If you know someone who's a lawyer, have them look at it and make sure that you really know what you're getting yourself into and you fully understand your entire contract. Um, and I guess the third tip that I have is don't put it off, right? Like if you really want to go to China or, or anywhere, if you really want to teach abroad, if you really want to study abroad, just do it, right? Because there's never going to be a perfect time. Right. Like you, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be some excuse to not do something, you know, whether it's traveling for a year or, you know, quitting your job or teaching abroad, whatever it is. Like if there's something that you really want to do and you have the finances or the ability to make it happen, I say don't don't push it off. Right. Like just just go. Don't <laughs> you know, don't be nervous and think, oh, oh, you know, maybe I'll go next year. Like if this is something that you really want to do, I would go for it. Now, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Sure. So my blog is Adventures Around Asia. I'm Adventures Around Asia on pretty much all the social media. So 
if you're interested in, you know, traveling to Asia or you're interested in, you know, China, whatever it is, you can connect with me there. Um, but if you are really interested in teaching abroad, I totally suggest, um, you know, joining my free Facebook group. It's called the China Teach Abroad Community. So I guess we can link to it. But if you want to just search for it on Facebook, it's CTA Community. So China Teach Abroad Community. And I think that's a great first place to start that and my free mini course. If you're at all interested in teaching abroad, you know, just just to put your like just to get some information, get your foot in the door. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I can see you on my blog or any of my social media adventures around Asia. Here are the important takeaways that I took from chatting with Rochelle. Number one. There are plenty of teaching opportunities in China, so don't feel like you have to stick with the teaching abroad program. Some of the alternatives to teaching abroad programs include applying directly to companies in China or going with a recruiter who only gets paid when you get placed in a job and show up in China. Number two, apply to multiple opportunities and then compare the best offers. Don't feel pressured to go with the first opportunity that presents itself. And this applies to more than just looking for teaching jobs in China. This applies to life and, you know, your finances, everything in general. This really does apply. Apply to multiple opportunities and pick the right fit for you. And this one is important to know. All of the salaries for teaching jobs in China should be after tax and should include housing. So when they say you're going to take home, let's say $2,000 US dollars, that's really $2,000 that is after tax and includes your housing costs, which is really, really cool and really important to know. Number four, read through your contract with a fine tooth comb and make sure that you not only understand the terms, but also agree to them. Last but not least, for those who are looking to quit their jobs and travel abroad, Rochelle took the leap of faith after paying off her $20,000 of student loan debt and saving extensively. She says that she can always get a job back in China if her funds get too low. That's the beauty of having the funds and the experience and the education to back you up. You can afford to make certain decisions and always know that you have options to fall back on. For all the resources Rochelle mentioned, including her blog, her job board listing jobs that pay on time and pay well, her Facebook community, and her TAFL certification promotion code, you can head over to podcast.thoughtcard.com forward slash episode dash three. That's episode dash three to get all the resources that Rochelle talked about in this episode. And don't forget to check out Rochelle's new course, complete with all the info you need to know about teaching English in China, which launches in October. This was so much fun, guys. And tune in next time where we chat with Tiffany Grant about timeshare presentations and owning a home as a millennial. Have you told a friend yet about this podcast? If you haven't yet, this is a great time to share the episode with a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend about what's going on on the thought card. Until next time, bye.